BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where in a pandemic-ridden season largely devoid of fan interaction for obvious reasons, it's quite sad that the first signs of meaningful contact we get with fans has to come in the form of a hysterical courtside care and sideshow and not Lakers fans being able to celebrate their championship team rightly. But alas, misguided racist heckling and health and safety protocol obstacles notwithstanding, the game stops nada for King James. Speaking of GameStop, if you've invested in the King at age 36 during a year when some probably shorted him because he likely doesn't have much left to prove after winning yet another championship, well, you are now reaping the dividends of all of that. So for leading MVP contender LeBron James and the Lakers, it's to infinity and bed, bath, and beyond. <laughs> I think that's one of the Reddit stocks that's been... Pumped into, it right? Are you, yes, so, yes, that's one of the four. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Solid. Uh, the Lakers close out the road trip, finishing an impressive five and two, even though at times it looked a bit uneven. But the most important part is everyone's healthy. We're still top three in the Western Conference at 16 and six, and our boys are all coming back home. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. We may shortly be joined by Tommy Alexander. We're not sure. Maybe in the next 15 minutes or so. Um, but if not, Alan's still here. Alan, how are you doing? And how are your shares in Tootsie Roll and, and Dogecoin, dot, Dogecoin going? I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Let's just say Doge. Doge. We just got to go with Doge, right? I don't know. <laughs> um, everything is great. I am doing fine. Um, we haven't recorded together in a while, so it's, yeah. it's good to see you, man. You I, too. I, I miss Tommy, too, so... We, ha- we haven't so, all Tommy. three recorded in a while, know, actually, man. so we're hoping, crossing our fingers here, that Tommy will randomly pop in here. Tommy! <laughs> Tommy! How's your investments in um, courtside Karens going? That's not an investment, but... 
Hell no. <laughs> Who the uh, F's going to buy that? <laughs> bro, what what a trip that was last night against the Hawks. Anyways, uh, I don't want to put any more spotlight onto that woman and that interaction. I got to say, Bill Bill McDonald's call was pretty awesome. Oh, I, I, I didn't hear it. What did you say? He talked about the meme with the blonde woman, like, screaming at the cat. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, dude, okay, Billy Mac. Usually, yeah, usually Billy Mac is Billy Whack, but I guess in that respect, good recall. Um, Okay. Got to give him his props. For sure. All right, with that said, let's get into the Lakers stuff, Alan. Um, So LeBron has done some tremendous things uh, during this road trip, you know, from the Cleveland homecoming masterpiece to numerous clutch three point shots, some insane defensive plays, including like a double blocked shot with his right and then his left hand. To some ridiculous passes, including that unnecessary but very much appreciated wrap around the back and then pass to Kuzma for the baseline three against the Hawks last night. LeBron is clearly on a sort of MVP run at age 36. Um, And the Lakers, uh, amidst this road trip, have gone five and two. And yet, I mean, personally for me, I, I still feel they've looked a little bit disjointed as a team as a whole. I think Kuzma recently admitted this team doesn't really practice and that the games have been their practice time. Uh, Vogel, in so many ways, has also pretty much hinted that he's still trying to figure out how to find guys' minutes where he can. So the rotations will inevitably end up looking wonky. And then on top of that, his utilization of particular personnel, whether it's Marcus Gasol or Trez, um, not playing THT, and his slowness to stagger some guys who, you know, intuitively you'd, you'd think would just fit better together has been a little slow and a little bit frustrating. Um, but overall, I think the main thing is it still very much seems like the Lakers are in preseason mode. And in spite of that, you know, they ended up 5-2. and two. Having said that, um, yeah, what have your thoughts been on this most recent stretch of the Lakers going 5-2? I don't think that record really tells the whole story. Uh, but from your end, what are your impressions of this team? Do you think they've gelled a little bit more or, or not? Um yeah, why don't you go first? Yeah, um, I think at this point, I mean, some things are going well, right? I think in some ways we have found some lineups, right? Some different combinations that are playing very well with each other. Um, I think it's interesting how we've been shortening our rotation, mm-hmm. right? That's like been a pretty noticeable difference. Um, you know, Markeith not playing, Wes Matthews not playing, yeah. Um, THT getting a little bit more run in there, which is what obviously we all want. We don't want like the kind of classic rookie treatment yep. sort of a thing. Um, but it's been up and down for individuals, obviously. I think, you know, like Schroeder has kind of like ebbed and flowed, you know, with his production, mm-hmm. his his aggressiveness and things like that. Some decision making as well. Yeah. Montrez had a game where he scored zero, zero points. Yeah, that's wild. You know, that's crazy. Uh Obviously, AD, like, struggling at the free throw line and at times being kind of tentative and things like that. And then LeBron having, like, really hot starts and then in the second half kind of, you know, just not being there. So uh, it has been, like, polarizing, I would say, um, on an individual level. But, I mean, shoot, you go on the road and you have those kinds of struggles and you still end up 5-2. and Um that's what championship teams do. That's right. what repeating champions do, right? Or hope to be repeating, uh, where you'd win ugly. And uh, the the teams that really aren't contenders, they don't win ugly. They drop those games close. Um, 
and we only have one of those those against Philly, you know. So um, yeah, at the end of the day, like it's the quarter way point of a very odd season. Um, the the level of concern because we won the championship is is not very high. If you take a few steps back and look at the big picture in the moment, of course, <laughs> when you're like following every single play. I mean, we all get frustrated, right? And every play seems like it's the most important thing in the world. So it's not to say that uh, we shouldn't get upset when we watch. It's totally fine. But uh, we have a healthy perspective because of a championship. Oh, for sure. I have a hard time even getting myself to be so worked up over losses. And I think I mentioned it to you at the start of this season. But for me, it's like largely academic, whether we actually win at the end of the day or not. I just kind of want to see flashes of what we could be at our ceiling. Um, unfortunately, I feel like we haven't even seen too much of those flashes, even amidst the five and two. But have, like you said, I will say, in a season that is just default weird and maybe even weirder than the bubble season, the Lakers are finding ways to weather the storm. I, I feel like, though, it's been a little bit, and you see it in their wavering mood and focus, which is, I think, normal for a championship team, uh, but probably more amplified due to a season like this. Um, I think from from my perspective, it seems like, and you mentioned it with LeBron James and AD a little bit, we kind of look like a bunch of disconnected parts just buoyed by the greatness of LeBron or AD. Um, and at certain points in the second half, we seem to just be playing a lot of like, my turn, your turn ball, where the ball sticks to either just LeBron or AD or Schroeder, right? And then it just doesn't feel like they're as cohesive a unit as they should be, even at times in preseason, right, where we saw the ball like whizzing to and fro and like we see motion happening off ball. We still see like beautiful game type moments here and there for sure, but it just seems very like one-off in the span of an entire game, right? Um, I mean, Kuzma had a really nice one uh, last night where he like a, did a pump fake spin and then a toss to a cutting LeBron who does an up and under dump off to Trez for the dunk. Like those moments are awesome. I just thought that at this point, maybe we would have seen a little bit more of it by now. But I think it's and I think especially when you consider Marcus Gasol's seeming inconsistent deployment, sometimes he's just out there and I'm like, what are you doing? I guess you're spacing the floor for LeBron and AD. But if that's your only real you know, utilization, why don't you just put in Kuzma or Trez or, yeah, I mean, I guess not Trez, that's a bad example because of spacing, but maybe put in Markeith if you need to give him minutes. But anyways. Just shoot the damn ball. Just shoot the damn ball, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyways, I think the Lakers are so talented that maybe the lack of cohesion that we've been seeing hasn't really translated to their record. Um, and I think I have an analogy for you. Uh, you know, we've talked about before how We've made you've made that analogy with playoff Rondo where he's such a genius that he gets bored with his homework, doesn't do it, fools around for much of the semester and then still manages to ace the final anyway. Right. I think there's a little bit modified, revised version for the Lakers because, I mean, they're doing their homework and they're acing it, but it doesn't seem like they're fully applying themselves to the work and really flexing and training the mus their muscles the right way, if that makes any sense. Um they're mm. doing their homework, but it feels like they're not showing their work. And they're just, you know, off of their smarts. They're yeah. going through the motions. They're doing it well. Right. But it feels, exactly. it feels like there's substance missing there. Like, they're so talented and smart that they're taking the shortcut to still get the A instead of going through yes, those right exactly. steps and process that yep. 
you know, the question is, will that still fly by the time they take the final when they do have to show their work? Right. Yeah. I was going to say they're, they're kind of doing the bare minimum. If, yeah. But that's like an oxymoron. Right. It's like, but you're still getting A's. Right. That's not the bare minimum. The bare minimum is getting like a C. It's like, no, I think we all know what it's like to not really put in your best effort and still get an A right. versus really putting in that effort and getting like an A plus. Exactly. It, it's almost yeah, like they it. had an assignment or project where they had to do so some... nerdy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I guess another way to look at it is maybe it's almost like they had an assignment or project where they had to do some actual hands on field work. But because they've mm. already done something like this before and they know how to BS on their experience. Like you said, they just half-assed the experiential part of the assignment and write up the rest, and they're still able to get an A because they know what the teacher wants to hear. And in the Lakers' yeah, case, they know sure. that all they need to do is get the win at the end of the day, regardless of how you know disjointed a journey it was to get there. But you know, at the end of the day, like the field work is the most important and most applicable part. It's the thing that really adds that chemistry and depth that you can later apply. Um, and again, now this could all just be a byproduct of everything being in preseason mode for them mentally and the tightening of the screws could easily come in the next few weeks. Like you mentioned, we're starting to see the rotation tightened. Um, But I guess I just want to throw out there the acknowledgement that currently this is how things feel. And I hope we get to that version of, okay, we're finally going to apply ourselves um, sooner rather than later. Because at times I feed off of the Lakers energy. And when they're bored, (laughs) when they're bored, I I think that sounds like such an obvious statement, but when they're bored, I feel bored watching the game too. You know what I mean? Like I already know what LeBron James and Anthony Davis can do individually. So when I see them holding the ball for 20 seconds and then our end result is them chucking up a shot and the other guys are just standing around, I'm kind of like, I don't think we learned anything, you know, out of that play. <laughs> and then, but then we'll get some moments where, like, LeBron James, for whatever reason, decides, all right, we're going to run the offense through Marc Gasol in the first quarter. And in, like, a minute and a half span, Mark has three assists because LeBron decided to play off ball. And I'm like, is there some reason why we don't do that more often? Or, like, <laughs> and I think that's it's where... It's a choice. <laughs> it's all a choice. Exactly. And I think that's... We don't want, we don't want to show too much, right? Right. I mean, We don't want to show our hand. And I think that's where I go back to. It just seems like everybody has like their own individual agendas currently, and it's not all connecting. It's you're still getting the win, but it's not pretty because, you know, all power to LeBron James, but it's very clear he wants to make a statement MVP wise, and he's doing that through the points category. Um, Schroeder, obviously, he's still trying to get comfortable, and he's like stumbling through it, but he's continuing to bash against that wall. Um, Vogel. Like he mentioned, he's just trying to find guys minutes. And I think something that I talked about earlier on in the season, it's like with this team, with how deep it is, you almost can't stagger the rotations in game. You have to stagger them game by game, which is what he's doing, where I don't doubt that Markeith and Wes Matthews will enter into the equation at some point. It's probably he's in this rotation of the next five games. Look, you guys just probably got to sit so we can play THT and then... I don't know how he's going to handle, you know, when they come back. Does THD sit again? But I think he's still working his way through everything. So any last thoughts on just, I guess, all of this? No, I think that makes that makes a lot of sense to kind of like chunk the process in a way. Chunk the process. Uh, That's the new slogan, <laughs> slogan for the uh, Lakers. Not trust the process. Chunk the process. Chunk the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because you need that continuity. Right. So that way, game to game, as you see these lineups kind of meshing with each other, um, 
it obviously is going to help you to learn to kind of go back to that, uh, what's working and what isn't. Um, but like you said, especially with THT, I mean, it's really hard to imagine sitting him, nothing against Wes Matthews, right? But um, it, it's hard to imagine just like not giving THT mm-hmm. any minutes at all, just a bunch of DNP CDs for two, three, four, five straight games. And, uh, you know, you're not going to take out Caruso in order to play THT. I think Caruso is like a mainstay without a doubt. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's odd, but thankfully the guys on our team are professional, you know, and they're, they're mature and all that stuff. And I don't think you're going to have any drama with those guys. So, yeah. um, you know what, like we just came off a championship short off season, all that stuff. I'm sure guys will welcome the rest, not that THT needs it or whatever, but you know, a guy like Keith, you know, he's not exactly super young and Wes Matthews too. Like he went deep with the bucks. So, um, you know, you could look at that as well. Yeah, and I think the obviously the buy-in and the sacrifice is important for a team like this. And you you mentioned the veteranness of this team, and that definitely helps the case. Uh, before we move any further on with our show, just wanted to remind everyone to please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more times LeBron will continue turning to Schroeder mid-game after completing a tremendous feat and say bet whilst giving him a quick high five for completing yet another fun challenge between the two of them. They seem to have that going on for themselves. And um, and yeah, you know, Braun is just so good he can play games within games all season while trying to chase MVP. So uh, yes, if you want to see more of that, please rate interview us five stars. I think I like that interaction the most because it reminds me that even though we're a much different team than last year, like, oh, there's a little glimpse into their chemistry once again. You know, they're really having fun with each other. Schroeder even while he's struggling getting himself acclimated to the offense or whatever, he seems to fit in quite well with LeBron James and have that sort of humor that they can bond over. So if you guys want to see more of that, please rate and review us five stars. Uh, We are trying to get to 500 ratings and reviews, and I think we only have one in the year 2021, so we definitely need some help in that area. And at the end of the day, I think your guys' feedback is truly the main fuel that keeps these episodes flowing at this point. So, um, yes, please rate and review us five stars. Also, if you'd like to help us out in any small way, please consider donating a buck or two to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Um, all right. With that said, before we take it to break and before Tommy hopefully hops on, um, just wanted to shout out some guys who have been killing it and maybe some other observations that I had. Um Okay, before we get to the killing it part, because we are going to talk about that much-heralded unit that's been um, really making some waves um, the last two or three games. But before that, I wanted to get your thoughts on Schroeder. And last night, we faced off against um, an old friend and also old former enemy in Rajon Rondo. And obviously, when we made that trade for Schroeder, I was like, oh, we got the better player. And Marcus Saul's here to replace any playmaking um, that we we lost in the Rajon Rondo free agency. Um, but, you know, as I alluded to and mentioned, the utilization of Gasol has been kind of weird. Schroeder, as we've come to learn, is not that much of a playmaker. Uh, right now, he's just concerned with, you know, trying to take it to the bucket um, and get his own. And what are your thoughts on... I feel like we're actually missing Rondo a lot more than I had anticipated. Mm. And we're actually lacking that secondary playmaking a lot more than I had anticipated because, 
you look at Anthony Davis and where are his easy buckets coming from that you so easily counted on from Rondo to just give him two or three lobs a game, you know? I feel like every game it's like, I don't know if if uh, Schroeder even has a single lob to Anthony Davis this season. When you actually think about that, that's kind of wild. You know what I mean? And obviously, he's still getting himself used to this team and Anthony Davis, but, I mean, it's Anthony Davis. I feel like you and I, in the span of, you know, 20 games or so, could at least, that's all we'd be trying to do, for sure. (laughs) We'd at least get one lob to Anthony Davis. Um, But also, as I mentioned, the inconsistency with how they've deployed Gasol Naturally, even if we knew that Schroeder was more of a scoring point guard than a Rondo playmaker, we would have just said, oh, Gasol is going to pick up the slack in the playmaking department. But again, from game to game, we're not sure whether we're even going to run the offense through Gasol. And so I feel like that's where we're starting to see like, yeah, maybe it is just like a coaching and a a mentality decision thing to just be like, okay, today we're going to make sure that the offense runs through Gasol you know, at least three times in the first six minutes before we sit him, you know? But so far, I I really feel like maybe AD's felt the effects of that. Maybe LeBron too, because we're starting to see more ball sticking um, at the end of games where um, we're missing secondary playmaking. We're getting secondary scoring per se, because Schroeder just has the ball and he can attack on his own. But but yeah, I don't know if if you have any thoughts on that or if, if you've noticed that too, where it's like, yeah, I, I guess we're maybe missing Rondo more than we we thought, and maybe this is naturally smoothed out again by Dennis Schroeder getting more comfortable and Marcus All being utilized more. Yeah, um, I think Marcus All being not that we want to lean so heavily on Marcus All, right? But uh, I guess the fact that we've seen him affect the game in significant ways a handful of times. And that's something that gets us excited, right? When we're running him at the top of the key and there's bodies flying all over the place. There's a lot of, there were a lot of give and goes at the beginning of the season. They were super exciting. Um, And I feel like it's not that other teams are even defending it well. I just don't see us playing through him like in the high post in that type of way. I think that he's just sort of hanging out at the three-point line and swinging it around the horn for the most part. And a lot of times he has an open shot and, you know, like I said earlier, he won't take it. Um, so, yeah, that's been kind of an interesting progression uh, as far as how we've used him. I would obviously like to see us utilize him more. Um, if we can get back to that, um, then I think that'll help kind of fill that gap or that mm-hmm. void that we're missing with Rondo. Um, but I do agree with you just in terms of how stagnant the offense can get, especially late in games. And sure, like, it's fun to see LeBron jab step, <laughs> like, seven times, yeah. right? And then, like, jack up a three. Um, I mean, if he's in the triple threat position, yeah, you have no idea where he's going to go. And that's great. Um, I feel like AD, his mid-range, his turnaround jumpers over the left shoulder, the right shoulder, all that, like, it's totally been there. Um, but obviously that has an impact on all the other players on the floor in terms of their engagement, you know, and whether they can then hit their own if they haven't shot the ball in a few minutes. Um, So it it just kind of feels like a phase, I guess. At the beginning of the season, ironically, when guys are really starting to learn each other, I felt like there was a lot more movement and energy. And right now at this point, I feel like that has diminished. So let's just hope 
that that comes back. Um, a guy, two guys who have actually been doing a great job of distributing to me and playmaking for others are THT and Kuz, though. Like, how many times is THT, because everyone knows he wants to get to the cup, right? Yep. But what he'll do, he'll, like, shovel pass it to Trez or whoever. Um, and then Kuz has been doing the same thing. Like, how many of those, like, Kobe-esque to, like, Shaq wraparound passes <laughs> right. in midair, how many of those has he got, you know? Got so it, it's pat, really... Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's great to see that evolution in their games, um, and that maturity and the patience and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think just to sum it up, it's kind of a phase in my opinion. But I would agree. Seeing Rondo yesterday, um, yeah, it just made me miss him. You know, it's like an old buddy. Yeah, and you just miss. I think Marcus Saul had a nice alley oop layup to Anthony Davis, so that helped last night. But we're definitely missing that spin turnaround by. Um, Anthony Davis, that reverse spin in the post where Rondo just like shoots it at him and it's a slam dunk, an alley-oop. Yeah. I mean, one guy who's also improved his passing this year is Anthony Davis. He's learning how to read those double teams a lot better. Kuzma had a nice cut and Anthony Davis read him really easily for the nice bounce pass and lay-in. How many times has he had LeBron James knifing into the lane and Anthony Davis pocket pass into like, you know, the hammer jam. So that's That's been really nice. And like you mentioned, you know, THT picking up the slack playmaking wise this is both cool and sad, but he's actually the second highest assister to Trez behind LeBron with 13 assists. And you're like, what happened to Lou Williams and Montrez in the Lou Will Montrez, you know, proxy with Schroeder and Trez? And I mean, Vogel has admitted they're trying to get Trez in more pick and roll situations because up until this point, it's just been a lot of garbage man variety type stuff. So Like you mentioned, it's a phase, and I think we're slowly, maybe a little too slow, but we're slowly ramping up and implementing different things. And to your point about Kuzma, it's not even him necessarily getting the assist stat, but him just making the right decision. And that pass I talked about where he did like a spin and he he passed it to Loa Cutting LeBron, he didn't get the assist on that, but that was a beautiful like hockey assist, right? How many times do you see guys making that extra pass? And so I think that's helped kind of stem the tide in the lack of a true secondary primary initiating playmaker like Rondo. Uh, All right, with that said, we are going to take it to break. When we return, we will talk about that unit. Alan, I have a name for this unit. I can't wait to tell you, but we'll, I'll tell can't you wait. after the break um, our, our own version of a death lineup that's really gelled most recently. <laughs> but before we pitch it to our sponsors, first, our Apple Podcast Review of the Night. All right. So for tonight's Apple Podcast Review of the Night, we have the great Mark Gasol on to do the review, and it will be done by Alan Riley. Now, we know it's not up to par with our impressionist extraordinaire, Tommy Alexander. Um, but Alan's going to do his best version of Marc Gasol, Pau's brother. So uh, whenever you're ready, Marc Gasol, take it away with the Apple Podcast Review of the Night. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, yes, my name is uh, Marc Gasol. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, the March to 400 reviews continue from Paul Poirier. Uh, good Lakers podcast for Lakers fans with its fair share of uh, measure criticism, fanboy optimism, uh, weird humor, and uh, insightful interviews. Uh, credit to the podcast community. Thank you. Uh, this was uh, Mark Gasol, <laughs> brother of Pau Gasol. Dude, that was very good, actually. I, I still, I, I'm not sure whether it was Pau or Mark reading that, but I, I don't know. it was very yeah. good for like literally doing it your first Thanks. time. And to be clear, you've never actually studied their voices, right? This is just based off of your memory? Not really. I literally just said Pau and Mark many times. Like, Pau Gasol. <laughs> 
Hello, my name is Paul Gasol. <laughs> that is awesome, man. And uh, thank you, <laughs> poor Poirier. We are actually on the march to 500 reviews now. So if you guys could help us out, that would be great. And uh, I like how he put fair share of measured criticism, fanboy optimism, and weird humor. <laughs> weird humor. That made me laugh. That's us. <laughs> that put a through. smile on my face. Exactly. So, <laughs> Marc Gasol, thank you. And thank you, poor Poirier. De nada. All right, so we are back. Uh, Tommy's still not on at this point. I don't think he's coming Tommy! on, but we'll, we'll still hold out, even if we get a hello at the end there. <laughs> We're just going to record for two hours until Tommy, <laughs> until Tommy gets Tommy here just on. to say hi. Just, just unedited. Hi. We just won't edit the podcast at the point that Tommy comes in. <laughs> um, before we get into talking about the unit, I just want to give the Lakers props. The, 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 the unit? unit. Um, I want to give the Lakers props for riding the COVID wave. I think they've taken this whole thing very seriously and it's not talked about enough. They've kept each other and themselves accountable. And I think from that end, that's where you really see them um, upholding that championship caliber sort of poise and discipline. And I don't think it's mentioned enough that the Lakers are one of the few teams that hasn't had a postponed game. Um, And they're taking the necessary precautions to keep themselves healthy. And I think that stems from leadership up top, you know, and everybody buying in. So that's one thing I just want to, you know, bring up and give the Lakers props for. Um, All right, let's talk about the unit. And my nickname for this unit actually goes with what you just mentioned. The the, 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 the unit. Oh, my bad. No, no, it's all good. (laughs) But I'm here by naming this unit the energy unit. Get it? The energy unit. Oh, my God. It is perfect. Energy unit. Uh, okay, <laughs> so the unit I'm talking about is, of course, LeBron James, Alex Caruso, Taylor Horton Tucker, Montrez Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma. In 22 minutes played, they have an offensive rating of 104.5, which is not that crazy. But then you look at their defensive rating, and it's a 62.8. So you put that together, their net rating in total is 41.8. I think this unit has been energetic, scrappy. Uh, They've moved the ball around a lot and very well. They've made really great decisions. And so far, it's like I feel like the most cohesive unit we've seen. And it's just what's funny is, you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times on on Twitter, but Kuzma's really morphing into this like 6'9 version of Caruso at this point. You're just playing defense, just doing all the dirty work. He'll take the open shot when it's there. He'll hit it, shooting still shooting 38% from three. Um, But most of all, these are guys who are active. They're using their energy, as I mentioned, to go up and down. Um, They are harassing teams on the defensive end. I mean, you saw that play against Trey Young last night where Kuzma and Caruso were containing him, and then Kuzma took it all the way through at the end there to cause the turnover. Um, But yeah, I think they're their injection of life has been super infectious for this team. And every time that unit has come in, they've sort of changed the tide when the energy was sort of getting stale. So what have your thoughts been on that five-man unit and what's been working in in your eyes? That's a ridiculously long (laughs) lineup considering THT's wingspan, you know. And then you've got, you know, Kuz, Braun, and Trez, um, assuming that they're matching up with a small ball type of lineup. Um yeah, the the defensive IQ 
I think with that unit is very strong. I mean, we've seen THT with his active hands, right? And again, that wingspan, poking mm-hmm. balls away, stripping, things like that. Uh, we know what Caruso can do, of course. I think we, we've been seeing it even more so, you know, this season than in the yeah. past. Um, of him just being, uh, you know, very active with it. A little bit more aggressive defensively, I would say. Um, Kuz, I mean... Dude, he put on a clinic in terms of like not biting on yeah. Trey Young. Yes, dude. That's I mean, how crazy. many guys? That's crazy how to think of Kuz doing that too. Yeah, it's all here. And if you like, if you just look at Kuz's face when he was defending him, like you could tell he was yeah. super focused, right? Like not antsy and like just trying to anticipate the next thing. He's literally just staying with him. Um, and that's how much they talk about like being in the moment, being right. present as like a meditative thing. But obviously it applies right there. And uh, I just felt so comfortable watching Kuz defend him. Whereas a lot of other guys like shit, like he's going to reach in, he's going to mm-hmm. bite, he's going to, you know, draw the foul, whatever. Um, so, yeah, dude, that's I think there's just been so much like growth and maturation from those guys in particular. Um, and um. Yeah, they're very stingy defensively. So, you know, Trez, these last two games, has really turned it around and been super mm-hmm. efficient, and he's just getting to the spots as the dive man to get these easy buckets from Braun or Kuz or, as we mentioned, THT. Um, what have your thoughts been on Trez thus far, and why do you think he's working with this unit? Maybe it is just like a mentality thing because there's no true big out there, but I think collectively maybe it's like a mental thing where they're like, we all have to pick up the slack together to – you know, make sure to box out, make sure to get rebounds. I mean, Kuzma's obviously been doing that this Dude, entire season. Seriously. He's bored yeah. in the house and he's in the house bored. Bored in the <laughs> 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 uh, So, I mean, and Trez is that, he's sort of of that makeup. And I feel like he's with a unit that sort of embodies who he is really. But yeah, what have your thoughts been on how Trez has sort of turned this around? Because I could sort of see him getting frustrated maybe with his role, the lack of minutes not being utilized in the pick and roll as much, but he's sort of found like a, like a home with this uh, energy unit. <laughs> energy unit. <laughs> Can't stop hearing it. <laughs> no, dude, keep doing it, man. We got to make um, it stick. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, he, he continues to impress me with, like, we didn't know that he had that mid-range <laughs> yeah. game, right, where he, again, is like triple threat position, dribbling the air out ball a little bit and then just pop from 16 to 17 feet out. And uh, I don't know what his percentage is, you know, from that part of the floor. I'm sure, you know, you just look it up on basketball reference, but uh, I'm thinking he's shooting very efficiently from that spot. So because he's got that down, just being able to drive on guys in that isolation um, is something that's very effective for him, of course. Um, and, And like we mentioned earlier, he has found a way to really find his spots um, when any one of those four guys are just able to drive to the cup and be a threat, right? Like everyone, again, is waiting to defend THT. And then if Trez just finds his spot, he can move to the level of the ball, then he's got an easy shot right there. So I agree that the chemistry with that unit um, is maybe somewhat unexpectedly um very cohesive, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, we all imagine pick and roll with him and Schroeder. Um, I still have faith that it'll it'll happen eventually. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's good to see that um, 
you know, he's bounced back from that offer <laughs> a few a few days ago. Um, but yeah. To answer your question about his mid-range shooting, you know, in that left corner baseline where he likes to face up, he's shooting 7 of 15 this year. Last year, he was 4 of 28 mid-range jump shots together, you know, in totality. Right, exactly. So he's 7 of 15 on that left side. He's 3 of 6 on the right side. So, I mean, it's crazy, his his growth. And, I mean, I have a little bit of an anecdote, but I think a year or two ago, maybe 2019, I went to watch some Drew League, and he was playing for one of the Drew League teams. And, you know, this is just sort of practice for these NBA players. They usually just get the ball, and their usage is insanely high. And I didn't think anything of Trez literally walking the ball, dribbling the ball down as if he was a point guard, but he would do a lot of these off-the-dribble pull-up Js that I was like, why is he allowed to do this? But he'd keep hitting them. You know, but I think as we've come to learn, like this is definitely in his arsenal. It's just a matter of whether or not, you know, he's given the freedom to do so and knock them down. And obviously this year he's allowed to explore his space a little bit more. And he's just, I think, more confident with it. And it's showing uh, and paying dividends. So props to Trez. I mean, the last two games, eight of nine, eight of ten. That's 16 for 19 from the field, shooting 85 <laughs> percent. Um, that'll that'll do. Um I think also, I think defensively, he's started to sort of, you know, stake his claim as well. Um, And obviously, he's getting bullied by bigger centers and whatnot. And it's easy. There's like not a lot of rim protection with him there. But I think he's found a way. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I found a way to still be effective defensively, whether it's having active hands and being the help defender, because I think the Boston game was probably his best game defensively. Three blocks, two steals. I know the stats will back it up, right. but I think optically it those optically it backed up those stats. And then last yep. night, two steals, one block. So he's always going to get eaten up by these big men, but I just like that it seems like he's starting to find his place um, within the defensive scheme to at least utilize his seven-foot-four wingspan and cause havoc even when it is a little bit light whenever there are rim runners against him. So I don't know what you've seen from Trez defensively. Yeah, I really like the point that you made about him being a weak side defender, you know, coming over, um, blocking shots, keeping the ball in play afterwards, Mm -hmm. um, and then that leading to – because that's when we're at our best, right, is when we're able to force turnovers, get stops, and then get out and transition defense. Um, And he's been kind of the, the impetus for a lot of those moments for us. Yeah, leaking out into transition. And that's why this group is so freaking scrappy, you know? Um, And so I hope Frank continues to experiment with that. I think we saw some of this unit also with Anthony Davis flipped with LeBron James. So I think that could work well as well. Um, And hopefully we start to see maybe even Marcus All with this unit, you know, because it is a unit that likes to cut runoff ball, especially Caruso and Kuzma. And I think we have seen. few minutes with Marcus Gasol alongside Kuzma, Caruso, and THT. And in those few minutes, we've seen Marcus Gasol really thrive and the offense really thrive because, oh, what do you know? Marcus Gasol plus guys who like to move and shoot off, shoot in motion works really well. So as I mentioned, I think Frank is slowly going to get to it where we've seen glimpses here and there. I guess it's just a matter of oh, when is it all going to you know, come together more cohesively and to a fuller extent, right? And I think it's a lot easier when we're at home in the comforts of our own bed and not trying to, you know, find our way on the road during a pandemic, you know, season. So I totally understand how 
just what a freaking weird state of affairs the Lakers were in, having some fans in some stadiums, having no fans in others. I mean, that must be a mind trip for them. Um, and then, yeah, just not being able to interact with each other like normal. So You you did make a really good point early about them not being able to practice, right? And that's yeah. just been the case for like sure. pretty much every team in the NBA. I mean, can you imagine you're on the road and – you're not able to spend all that time with your teammates like you usually would. I mean, they're not even allowed to spend that much time in the locker room yeah. <laughs> with each other, which is when you would imagine a lot of the conversations would be taking place, right? Um, so everything in terms of planning and learning and all that, I feel like if it's happening like virtually and all that kind of stuff, when you're all still together, it just seems like such a freaking hassle. Yeah. Um, so implementing new things with the turnover that we've had in this situation um i think just got to be patient right and uh the fact that we have a 16-6 record <laughs> despite <laughs> all of that i mean it's just a testament right to how good we are it is is it is some definite like spoiled lakers fan shit but when you're in the thick <laughs> of things you get lost in it and i think it's also a matter of retraining ourselves this season as fans to because I think right now we're analyzing the Lakers as we normally would in a vacuum. This is what the Lakers are looking like. This is what they should improve upon, et cetera, et cetera. But really, especially with a season like this, it's you should probably be zooming out like a lot more. And, no pun intended. Yeah, exactly. Zoom. <laughs> zooming out. We're, we're on Skype, Alan. We're not on Zoom. Come on. Anyways, oh, right, right. <laughs> we're, we're Skyping out, and you should really be assessing the Lakers relative to the rest of the league. And when you do that, you realize, well, almost every team has had to sit out guys because of health and safety protocols. The Lakers have not. So on that end, they're number one. You know, um, almost every team has had guys in and out for various reasons, whether it's health and safety protocols or just being injured. The Lakers have guys in and out because they're too talented that they need guys to sit out. You know, so relative to the rest of the league, they're actually at the top. It's just a matter of. By the time that we roll into the trade deadline around like mid-March or so, by the time we head into the playoffs, like will we be able to make all of these puzzle pieces fit a little bit smoother versus just like we're disjointedly just working off of our individual talent right now and doing what we can, letting LeBron James go on his MVP spree to get us the record we need to get, but there's actually not much substance behind that record. Um but as we've discussed this entire episode, I think we're starting to see glimmers of just what Frank Vogel has up his sleeve, what he's trying to do, what he wants to implement. And obviously, like lineups like the Caruso, Kuzma, Trez thing, it's like undeniable, you know? So energy unit. Energy unit. There we go. I mean, I think that's a good way to end this episode. Unfortunately, Tommy was not able to uh, hop on with us. He's stuck in a work call. Sucks. But, uh, yeah, hopefully the next time Mr. we'll have Tommy. Uh, All right. With that said, we'll leave it there. Thank you guys for listening. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app and write down in your review, Alan, say the G unit thing, energy unit. Energy unit. There we go. I'm trying to like, what are some G unit songs? Like in my head, I'm just like, well, this should be really easy. <laughs> Hated to love it, Thunder Dogs on top. <laughs> I sounded like a very not cool person there. Uh, I've never sounded more like a dad, you know? I was like, do I risk it? Do I not? 
<laughs> nah. Guys, trust me, I don't time, always sound that lame. I actually have an Asian rapper voice within me, and it goes a little something like, hey, yo, what's going on, fam? I'm finna get lit in here. <laughs> All right, I'm a I'm a quit while I'm behind because I might get even more behinder. Um, all right, let's let's just end it there. Um. <laughs> awesome, love it. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.